This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. North Korea's at it again, launching missiles. But there's a problem that an expert says they need to consider. They could miscalculate thinking if they launched another ICBM or Hwasung 15 or maybe even that Hwasung 16, that gigantic ICBM, uh, that this will, and they'll just indicate, well, it's just a test and, you know, and uh, what nonsense. Ambassador Joe Detrani, former special envoy from the U.S. to the Sixth Party talks with North Korea said, that miscalculation could be costly. This is, this is very dangerous now for the United States and its allies because we don't know what that, what that missile could be carrying. A deep look at North Korea's resumption of nuclear and missile activity. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. For several weeks now, North Korea has stepped up its anti-U.S. rhetoric and has been harsh in some of the things that it's said about the U.S. and South Korea. In addition to that, it's been launching missiles and supposedly engaging in nuclear development activities at some of its nuclear weapons facilities. On this episode, we talk to Ambassador Joe Detrani, the former U.S. Special Envoy to the Six-Party Talks with North Korea, because there are very few people in the U.S. who understand better than Joe Detrani what North Korea is up to and what the U.S. is facing. Ambassador Detrani, um, North Korea has been fairly quiet for a few months. Now they're breaking their silence and they're doing it in a most ostentatious way. The sister of Kim Jong-un had some comments for the U.S. and they weren't very nice comments. Uh, Would you put those comments into perspective for us? Well, Kim Yo-jong, the sister of uh, Kim Jong-un, is a pretty powerful player. I mean, she probably is the designated uh, successor uh, to Kim Jong-un, if anything should happen there. So uh, her comments to, uh, uh, that were published on KCNA, their official news media, were very strident. The, uh, one, it was uh, critical of, uh, of the joint military exercises that started on the 8th of March, although they're all simulated, they're computer-based, uh, not troops on the ground, but computer-based. But she was very critical of those uh, Uh, of those exercises. She was very critical of South Korea and the Moon Jae-in government, basically saying that uh, he has now put the, uh, what was accomplished in April of 2018, the Panmunjom Declaration between North Korea and South Korea at risk. And this was when Kim Jong-un met with the Moon Jae-in in 2018. 
to talk about peace and reconciliation and reunification. She said, now that's all at risk. And a message to the United States, to the Biden administration saying, uh, we, we basically will want to warn you about uh, uh, your behavior and you should be very careful because things could get worse. Ambassador, why the need, though, to take the harsh approach that seems to be the consistent method that North Korea chooses to engage with the U.S.? Is it not that they don't understand the idea behind diplomacy and behind uh, niceties and uh, just the idea of, uh, of being polite? Well, I think they understand the ideas of, of diplomacy, but their form of diplomacy is different than ours. Theirs is uh, they use uh, threats, attempts to intimidate, and hopefully get some response from the United States. And they're telling the new Biden administration, uh, we don't like your military exercises with South Korea, and we expect you to uh, be reaching out to us, although Reportedly, the uh, Biden administration has reached out to North Korea to resume a dialogue, uh, but they're looking for uh, for some uh, um, basic deliverables like the cancellation of the joint military exercises. But we know that's not going to happen, and they ought to know the same thing, especially considering that they went through the same song and dance with the Trump administration got up to the point where the Trump administration made efforts to engage with them, but they weren't willing to do what was necessary on their end. So it just doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense to continue down that road. And I assume that that's what the the Biden administration is doing uh, by trying to engage with them, but at the same time, letting them know that this kind of behavior doesn't get you what you want. Is that right? That's exactly right. I think the Biden administration is correct in its approach. They're, they've reached out to North Korea, reportedly reached out to North Korea. They said, let's let's have a dialogue. Let's talk about the issues. And, and North Korea responds uh, with a significant criticism of the Biden administration because of these joint military exercises. But also, I might add, uh, JJ, this is a, a very direct criticism of the Moon Jae-in government in South Korea. With the uh, with the visit of uh, our Secretary of State Tony Blinken and the uh, and the uh, Secretary of Defense uh, General Austin, this is a, a very direct threat to the Moon Jae-in government, saying, "Be careful what you do with the United States, uh, and if you persist with these joint military exercises, forget about the Panmunjom Declaration. They've already destroyed the, uh, if you will, the liaison office that was uh, in in uh, in North Korea uh, in Kaesong." So it's a message to the Biden administration, but I think even more so a message to the Moon Jae-in administration that North Korea is not happy and they want to see uh, some um, some efforts on the part of South Korea and the United States to show their uh, their willingness to uh, engage in a positive way. That means they're looking for 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 some deliverables like the cancellation of joint military exercises. You say that's not. Uh, likely or possible. I agree with that. I, I We've scaled those joint military exercises back, and this has been scaled back significantly. Uh, it's a simulated uh, computer-based uh, joint military exercise. So North Korea's demands are very, uh, very strident. And, uh, and uh, to be candid with you, uh, uh, 
an attempt to intimidate and threaten the Biden administration so that they can uh, get some concessions. Ambassador, you of everybody in the United States at this point, maybe there is a handful of other people that may know something of this, but few people in this country that know as well as you do that this is a dog and pony show. This is what North Korea was doing in back during the six party talks, the five plus one, when you were there sitting across the table from them, the U.S. and and the other members went all the way up to the, the five yard line, you know, did everything that was necessary. North Korea did not finish at that time. And North Korea has since that time on several occasions done this fire and fury warning thing. Um, and I, I'm wondering at what point do they understand that they have exhausted this game? Because um, if you cry wolf too many times, nobody's going to listen. And here's why nobody's going to listen. Because you have said on this program numerous times that North Korea is not suicidal. The only thing that they have left, in my opinion, and you please correct me if I'm wrong, is to follow through on launching a weapon because they've done almost everything else, but to follow through on launching a weapon at the U.S. and that would be suicidal. Am I wrong in this, this, this thought process? No, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's no question about that. Yes. So what is it going to take to, for them to understand that this game doesn't work anymore? I, I believe, J.J., North Korea, Kim Jong-un, and uh, in this case, we're working with his sister, Kim Yo-jong, believes that eventually they will uh, they will prevail, that they will get uh, yeah. eventually the United States. I get that. Uh, with its ally in South Korea to agree uh, that uh, uh, to agree to work with North Korea, uh, accepting them uh, as a nuclear weapons state in, in this regard. We enter into some sort of a dialogue with them talking about capping their program, freezing their program and then looking at arms control negotiations to reduce their program. Well, I think this is fraught with, uh, with uh, a lot of danger because accepting North Korea as a nuclear weapons state will just open things up in the region. Others will pursue nuclear weapons and the possibility of, of proliferation is that much greater. So, but I do think that they want to move forward with a, a process that will normalize the relationship with the United States, but on their terms. And I think they believe that time is on their side, that they will eventually prevail because of what you just said. They haven't changed their tactic. They continue to threaten, to intimidate. And if they don't get what they want, they'll launch a, a, a missile, possibly an ICBM, which would be very dangerous and provocative. And maybe even another nuclear, seventh nuclear test, maybe even of another hydrogen bomb, which would be very dangerous. So North Korea is prepared to, I think, uh, 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 scale things up significantly, even though it's going to be fraught with a significant danger because of miscalculations, misunderstandings. But I think eventually they feel they will prevail and they will get acceptance as we did with uh, many years ago with Pakistan that we will now deal with the North Korea with nuclear weapons. And it's interesting because now we hear uh, on the same day of this this rhetoric 
Uh, and actually, for a few days now, I've been tracking movement in North Korea that seems to suggest they may be preparing for some kind of nuclear activity. What 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 have you seen? Oh, well, there, there, there's some work going on at Yongbyon, that plutonium facility there. I think they've seen some smoke coming out of the the reactor, which could mean preparations for the reprocessing of spent fuel rods uh, to get the plutonium, which would be used for uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, so there, and there's some activity at the uh, at the uh, uranium enrichment site. They also have at Yongbyon. So, so there are some movements on their part, and also with the with the missile launch, uh, it's it's very difficult to determine uh, any preparations unless they're sitting it on a, a launch pad. But they have a number of mobile systems now, so that they could launch a missile uh, without us having much advance notice. So, yeah, I think they are preparing. Uh, if they don't sort of get what they want. And, and when I say sort of, I think they would want to see, especially from South Korea, some, some recognition that uh, we're going to scale back and we're going to eventually uh, uh, curtail and then eventually end the, the joint military exercises, et cetera, as, as um, deliverables to the North. And this is, this is their approach. And from the Biden administration, I think they're looking to get some sort of a, uh, concession in a, in a diplomatic way of, okay, let's talk about possibly just freezing the programs, capping the programs, and let's talk about sort of an arms control approach, which would be a long-term approach. So I think this is, these are things they're looking for. And I, I personally feel that uh, although they've done this before and we know what their playbook is, they feel if they keep repeating their playbook, they'll eventually get what they want. One of your contemporaries, General Ron Burgess, who I was fortunate enough to meet when he was the director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, said to me some years ago, the biggest threat to the U.S. and I guess indeed the world is the the pace of change. And what he was referring to is the fact that things as time passes will continue to speed up. And that has to do with Murphy's Law in some regard. You know, the the, tech, the computer principle that uh, every so often, because of new technologies and new computer platforms, everything will happen faster. Uh, right. um, and that makes us in our lives um, have to do things faster. But at the same time, what it also does is it takes away North Korea's ability in this particular situation to uh, hide behind or to use its previous accomplishments uh, through threats and through bullying to be successful. And what I'm saying is, is to me, it seems to suggest that they're going to have to, to reach higher, further, and go faster and dig deeper to do something that's going to get and keep the attention of the U.S. and the world. And that's what concerns me is that in order to do that, they will have to do something they haven't done before. And I think the only thing left is firing a nuclear weapon somewhere. So, J.J., I, I like exactly what you said. Uh, and, and Kim Jong-un uh, addressed some of the points you just made in the uh, Eighth Party Congress, you know, his long uh, presentation, his long speech. Yes. Where he talked about they're going to work on hypersonic missiles. They're going to be working on tactical nuclear uh, t- tactical nuclear weapons. They're going to be working on on uh, nuclear submarines, etc. He was talking about significantly up up upgrading uh, their uh, nuclear and missile capabilities, 
And, and, and that's right on the mark. So if they want to be uh, really provocative, I mean, the next launch, they showed us uh, Hwasung 16, you know, that gigantic uh, ICBM right. that they displayed in October of uh, 2020 right. well, during the military parade. Uh, well, they, you know, that supposedly is a, 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 a mobile, solid fuel uh, ICBM that could deliver uh, multiple uh, nuclear warheads. They could they could launch something like that and and, and have simulated uh, a sort of uh, warheads there. But they would have to. That's very provocative. I mean, that, <laughs> you launch something like that for the United States and our allies. Uh, we want to know that there's nothing on the tip of a missile like that that uh, that speaks to a weapon. It was indeed certainly not a nuclear weapon. So, yes, they could do that. And uh, and, and that would be uh, or they could have another nuclear event, which would be uh, another, if you will, thermonuclear test uh, and, and combine that with an ICBM launch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. JJ, th there are a number of things North Korea can do to escalate tension on the Korean Peninsula. And I think they started with the Kim Yo-jung message of uh, yesterday, criticizing these uh, simulated, if you will, computer-based joint military exercises, saying that this will now be the end of the Panmunjong Declaration and rapprochement with South Korea, and things will get very tense on the Korean Peninsula, and a message to the Biden administration that uh, things can go very badly uh, with the Biden administration. So it's a, it's a two-pronged approach on the part of North Korea. Look, uh, uh, I hate to say it, JJ, but I'm not surprised. I mean, yeah. this is how North Korea responds. Yeah. If they're not getting what they want, if they're not getting movement on things they want, they strike out. They threaten and they intimidate. And, you know, when they when they say they're going to do something, they usually do something. And that's the thing we have to remember. Uh, these are not just, uh, you know, um, open threats and, and uh, just for the sake of, of threatening. Uh, they usually follow through with something of a provocative nature. And this is where North Korea has to be very careful, because given their capabilities now, uh, I don't think anyone's going to sit sit uh, quietly and just watch them launch an ICBM, not knowing what's on the tip of that ICBM. Yeah. They have to understand that. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying is that, you know, yeah, they usually do something and you have um, better than anybody I know have predicted and essentially um, laid out the way in which it happens when they do this. And as you, as you, as you, as you just said, you know, and we agree on this. There's not so much they can do that they haven't done already. And the things they've done already, people in you know the U.S. certainly leadership have seen it all and are prepared for it. Uh, and I'm just concerned that um, what they may have left uh, may be something that's drastic and maybe something. But I just don't see them being drastic at this point. Do you? Uh, no, but they can miscalculate. Hmm. I this is the this is the point, JJ. The element here, when you get into an area this tense with the significant capabilities on the part of North Korea. Now, it's not it's a North Korea with nuclear weapons. It's a North Korea that we assess can make those weapons through missile delivery systems. It's a North Korea that we know has missile delivery systems that could reach the whole of the United States. So this is not an academic uh, exercise with North Korea. It's a North Korea that has great significant capabilities. They've grown almost exponentially over the over the last decade. 
And and they could miscalculate thinking if they launched another ICBM, a Hwasung 15, or maybe even that Hwasung 16, that gigantic ICBM, uh, that this will, and they'll just indicate, well, it's just a test and, you know, and uh, well, nonsense. This is this is very dangerous now for the United States and its allies because we don't know what that what that missile could be carrying. So any move on the part of North Korea, short of a, a short range ballistic missile launch. But I, I say this also, and this is a, a criticism of, uh, of the uh, Trump administration, when North Korea, even during the negotiations with President Donald Trump, they were continuing to launch short range ballistic missiles. Indeed, those missiles were an existential threat to our allies in South Korea and and Japan. So this is all provocative. So North Korea can think, well, they're doing something that's going to be accepted. No one's going to get too upset, but we show our strength, our capabilities. But they may miscalculate because uh, for the U.S. and our allies, we may say we have to take that missile down. We have to do something. And North Korea may misunderstand taking a missile down and think, my God, is this a prelude to something even more uh, more threatening to the survival of the uh, of the regime in, in Pyongyang? The element of miscalculation of of slipping into a greater conflict is there. It's there as we speak. And I think this is why I think the Biden administration was correct in reaching out to North Korea and saying, look, Let's sit down and let's talk. Let's put all this on the table, because we're dealing uh, we're dealing with uh, in uh, in basically uncharted waters that are very dangerous, and it could lend itself to uh, to conflict. And God knows, conflict that can escalate quickly. And we're talking about you know conflict with the uh, North Korea with nuclear weapons, and and certainly uh, uh, although they uh, they are not suicidal. Mm. Or they could misjudge something significantly. Last thing, the Biden administration, is it better prepared to deal with North Korea than the Trump administration dealt with them? You know, I think the Biden administration is very well prepared to deal with North Korea. I mean, they have a lot of people who are in the Biden administration who have dealt with North Korea and they have all this all this uh, history uh, uh, of, of North Korea's behavior. So they know the North Korean playbook. They've been at the table. They know the players. I think with the Trump administration, we saw fire and fury in, in 2017 and how tense it was there. I don't think they had the, the same, uh, uh, if you will, uh, uh, number of uh, experts or uh, those sub- uh, subject matter experts who had the experience with North Korea. So yeah, in many ways, I think the Biden administration is is better prepared because of of the experience they've they've seen over the years with North Korea and the people who are in the administration who have worked the North Korean issue uh, with North Korea. But we have to also be mindful of the fact of how North Korea sees the Biden administration, because if North Korea sees the Biden administration as an extension of the Obama administration, they could be looking at you know strategic patience where, you know, let's put North Korea on the sidelines here and we'll eventually deal with them and and, and we have bigger issues. Well, obviously, we do have a lot of issues. And I think the Biden administration is doing that. I mean, certainly COVID-19 and and and, and all climate and, and, and economic issues are all uh, significant and have to be addressed. But I think for North Korea, they, they'd like to be, uh, you know, uh, front and center. 
they'd like to see a lot of attention paid to them. And they were offended, my personal view, uh, with strategic patience during the Obama administration. So I think what they want to tell the, uh, the Biden administration, uh, just don't think you could ignore us. Just don't think you could put us on the sidelines and, ex- and expect us to be silent and, and, uh, and then proper in our behavior. I think they're saying very clearly we can be very provocative and you're going to have to deal with us front and center. Joe, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Ambassador Joe Detrani there with um, an excellent look at everything uh, that we're facing, dealing with with some history there regarding North Korea. Also taking a look at uh, where North Korea stands right now, what it thinks and how the U.S. is prepared. So you've done an excellent job as always. Thank you, sir. Thank you, JJ. Good luck to you. Always great to talk to him about anything, but especially about North Korea. Coming up in our next episode. My biggest concern at the moment is is really in, in, in Eastern Africa. Joby Warwick, national security reporter for The Washington Post. It's rare, if ever, that I bring a national security correspondent on this show because that's what I do. But it's important to give credit where credit is due. And he's written a book, it's called The Red Line. The Unraveling of Syria and America's Race to Destroy the Most Dangerous Arsenal in the World. And on the next episode, we discuss the fact that ISIS is not done yet. Because you see some ISIS affiliates, some groups that have pledged allegiance to ISIS, they have their own very independent, um, you know, local concerns, but they have become quite powerful and quite aggressive. And we just saw in the last couple of weeks uh, a very brazen attempt to take over uh, you know, a city in Mozambique, uh, you know, a resort area, you know, dozens of people killed. Uh, so these groups are gaining strength in Africa, certainly. And then back in the heartland, you know, in particularly in, in eastern Syria, these guys never really went away. That's going to be a program you won't want to miss. So in the meantime, if you have any questions or comments, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word, at whiskey, tango, Oscar Papa. Also, we invite you to follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. In addition, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Also, if you're interested in more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can find it at WTOP.com slash alerts. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. 100,000 downloads in a day. Be among the first to hear season two of the American Nightmare podcast series, an incredible true crime case. Sherry Crandall actually almost predicted her demise. A nurse murdered inside her hospital. DNA, fingerprints, even an eyewitness haven't helped solve this case in 23 years. But now, two decades later, police say they may finally have their big break. I'm DC crime reporter Paul Wagner. Join me for season two of an American Nightmare series, Murder in a Safe Place, a WTOP production. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.